Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to another Core Parenting Conversation. And today we are talking about end of the school year anxiety. And I know it may seem way too early to talk about this. We're still in spring. But every year around spring break, I see a sharp increase in anxiety amongst children. I first noticed this trend about five years ago when I received back-to-back daily inquiries about big explosive morning tantrums over the morning routine that's been the same all year, school refusals, end of the year or end of the school day meltdowns, and anxiety around schoolwork in four and five-year-old children. This emerging trend piqued my interest, so I was on the lookout for more information and more patterns. That same week (laughs) that I received those calls, I was in a pre-K classroom and heard a teacher talking to the students about next school year. It was the simple commentary that sounded like, when you get to kindergarten, you're going to need to know how to do this. And the light bulb went off. I connected the dots and started to implement some transitional supports for children starting around this time of year with great success, a reduction in stress behavior, and an increase in confidence in children and parents. Now, I continue to see this annual trend throughout the early childhood grades and began putting out content about framing the impending school transition actually beginning around spring break because that's typically when the end of the year, next school year conversations really start. During this conversation, I'll shift some of the adult verbiage we use when talking about moving up in grade levels or in school for children and offer some transition supports we can use with our children to increase their feelings of confidence and competency. Typically, when teachers and students arrive back to school after spring break, school testing and conversations around next school year begin. Trying to conceptualize next year can be especially anxiety-provoking for young children who are facing additional transitions such as a new school, but think of all the uncertainties that come up year to year, a new teacher, new classmates, new campus, new classroom, new expectations academically and socially. And this may as well just be falling off into a black hole for children. They are such concrete, in-the-moment thinkers that all they know is this teacher, this classroom. In fact, remember as a child, or maybe this has happened with your children, they see a teacher out and about and you're like, wait a minute, you don't live at school? That's how literal and concrete their minds operate. And so this whole idea of a different classroom, a different teacher, different school 
can be really overwhelming and nebulous and anxiety provoking for them. Often well-intentioned teachers and parents will try to prepare children by highlighting what will be different or more challenging next year. And this can sound like as simple as next year, you're going to have to do this all by yourself, or you need to know how to do this for kindergarten. You should start practicing this now because next year you won't get help for this. Kindergartners don't do that or don't need that. Or we only have a few more weeks together to get ready for first grade. I don't know if I heard that in elementary school. I remember definitely hearing about that in high school. And at that point, I was just rolling my eyes, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) These statements are meant to help prepare students. I get that. They are so well-intentioned. They're coming from a place of earnestness from adults. But that shift can happen in the focus from preparation to fear from growth mindset to feeling insecure for children. It creates a sense of pressure and it emphasizes what the child can't do or doesn't like to do. The focus on what will be taken away or what will be different creates even more of an unknown and a sense of insecurity and uncertainty. And that feeling of uncertainty and emphasis of the unknown increases the child's sense of nervousness and anxiety, which are those low, steady doses of fear and stress. It could even be feelings of excitement and anticipation for next year, which we know if you've listened to any other episodes about behavior, those emotions also hyper arouse the nervous system. So they have a really, they already have this really sensitive nervous system that's easy to set off. And that's when we see an increase in those stress behaviors, which come across as misbehavior to us adults. Behaviors I notice the most often around this time of year are increase in aggression, typically at home, sometimes at school if they're just kind of uncomfortable, or after school meltdowns. School refusal, helplessness, indecision, so flip-flopping back and forth and not being able to make up their mind about something simple, seemingly simple, (laughs) or the opposite into the spectrum, super rigid and controlling over things that used to not matter that much or really kind of inconsequential to us, seemingly, so that less flexibility in situations, or a hyperfixation on random, seemingly Uh, small things like how to wear my hair or what clothing to wear when this has never been an issue prior, very rarely. More explosive reactions to being told no or disappointment. New fears may develop, new sleeping disruptions may happen, or more sensitive and emotional response to, to life. Instead of simply viewing these behaviors at the surface level and becoming frustrated, annoyed, which I understand when you're not sure what's going on, it's easy to just fixate on the the behavior, but we don't want to just focus on getting them to stop. Remind yourself that these are the check engine lights going off in our children and the signals or flares that they send up when they're in a stress state, just like we all do. Control and rigidity are two of my huge indicators that my feelings of anxiety are starting to flare up. So how can we prepare students for the upcoming transition without increasing fear? We can increase their confidence. And one of my favorite ways to do this is by highlighting their growth. 
new things they've learned, what they've mastered, how hard they've worked this year. I use pictures, work samples to give them very concrete and tangible examples of this growth. So this could sound like simple narration such as, wow, remember in the beginning of the year, you didn't know how to read those words. You knew 10 letters and sounds, and now you know all your letters and sounds, and you just read that book. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Or actually, I had this conversation with my son, my kindergartner, the past few weeks. He's just blown me away bringing these books home. I'm like, I didn't know you could read like that. Oh my gosh. Remember in the beginning of the year, your school shirt was so big? Now look, it's not going to make it to the end of the year. You've outgrown it. I need to go get the next size up. This is also happening with my second grader. I'm like, clothes that I bought him for Christmas, he's already outgrown in March. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're growing like a weed. But kids like to hear that growth and have these really concrete ways to measure it, right? Because three months to them doesn't mean anything, but they feel big, tall, and proud if they've outgrown clothes in three months. You know, it's it's little things that really do matter like that to them. For ambitious or highly motivated teachers or parents listening, or maybe your children really do need the extra support, the extra concrete support, especially with children who have a predisposition to more anxious tendencies or the neurodivergent population, they need more tangible supports. You could make a book or a poster or a list, like a chart. It doesn't have to be a fancy book. It could literally be you know, half of a poster board or even computer paper, printer paper of things that I didn't know in August or September, whenever they started school, things I've learned this year and what I want to learn next. This is a great metacognitive exercise. So just helping children recognize their thoughts, um, tuning into them, becoming more aware of their perceptions and building that self-awareness. It also gives a very concrete representation of what they've learned, which reinforces a growth mindset, and it opens up the discussion for what they're looking forward to next year. So it can also serve as a goal-setting exercise for things they still want to learn or master before the end of the school year, so they go into the next year with a skill set to be confident and competent in their new environment. So if you notice, they really need to learn how to zip up their jacket independently, for example. If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set. If you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month to month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on demand parenting support. So you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. 
The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. Perhaps that'll be a goal. Hey, you know, you learned how to put on your own shoes, your own socks. You now get dressed all by yourself in the morning and you've been practicing those buttons. The last thing to practice could be your jacket. What do you think? So we're highlighting what they've learned to do, what they've mastered, and maybe some stretchy spots, but they already have this confidence in their ability to learn new things because we highlighted that first. Another version of this that I've been doing a lot with my boys just in preparation for introducing a new baby to our family is to review their baby milestones that they've reached and passed. Obviously, with a five and eight-year-old, they reach these milestones in the first couple years of their life. But this is one of the, my favorite things to do with them because it fosters that deep connection between us and our children. It brings them back to a place of that warmth and safety of being a little baby. And it also offers some reassurance, that extra layer of security, that no matter how big they get, they'll always be our baby. And this may sound like, gosh, I remember when you were just learning how to walk. You'd grab up on the couch and you'd reach for the table and then you'd fall down and bump your booty, but it didn't hurt because you had a diaper on. My kids always like to hear about that diaper. (laughs) I think it's a little bit of potty humor in them. But now I'm watching you run the bases at T-ball or now I'm watching you run all over the soccer field or wow, now you're climbing a tree. You know, so you've grown so much and learned how to do so many things in just five years. And if you want to add that extra concrete element, you can watch baby videos on your phone together or go back and look at baby pictures and baby books to create that concrete representation of this concept of growth and development for them. Another shift we can make in our focus, so this is something we can just do with intention and verbally, is instead of emphasizing what will be different next year, focus on what will be familiar or similar. This could be as simple as something like, next year, your grown-up will drop you off in the morning for school, just like they do now. So right there, we've introduced a familiar routine, something that they know, something they're comfortable with. Then we can introduce an idea that may slightly deviate from the current routine. But since we've already connected it to something familiar, it feels much more manageable. So we could add, you know, next year, instead of walking you all the way to class, they're going to walk you to the front entrance and you'll get to walk the rest of the way with your friends. Then I can suggest a way to practice that may bridge these two ideas. So this could be something like, hmm, I bet you know the way to class all by yourself. Maybe tomorrow you could walk me to class. You can walk in front of me and show me how to get into your classroom. And then when they do it, I'm going to highlight that. So this is a part of a strategy I call preview and review. We preview something as kind of like the front-loading process that's in a different episode. But when we review something, we really highlight something our child did to build that awareness and build that confidence. So after they lead me to their classroom, I'm going to highlight it. And it might sound like, wow, you know how to get to your classroom all by yourself. You didn't even need me to show you. And you know what? 
you didn't know how to do that at the beginning of the year. You learned that this year. I bet you could do it all by yourself with your friends. Look at that, right? So see how that boosts their confidence and ability to walk independently and learning a new route to a new classroom. So it'll feel more attainable next year. And they're actually practicing the skill. So they're also building that competency, not just confidence. (laughs) Other examples of this could be remembering to put their names on their paper. I just saw a really funny teacher meme about that the other day, about how it starts in, you know, preschool, elementary school, and it goes all the way up to high school. No one remembers to put their name on papers. (laughs) Tying their shoes opening up snack bags or lunchbox container. That's a big one that teachers, especially like kindergarten teachers cite when students go into the lunchroom because there's typically not a lot of support for children there. Like there's just less lunch monitors. So opening their own lunch containers is a big one to practice. Zipping jackets and other self-help skills. When they demonstrate or practice any of these skills, we can narrate what they do, just like I did in the previous example. Wow, you opened your snack bag all by yourself by pulling the two sides apart. Man, you'll be able to do that at lunchtime at school from now on. By practicing these skills and building awareness around them, we're building their competency as well as their confidence. And I know I keep saying that, but let me tell you why I'm emphasizing it so much. Confidence, we're building up that ego, right? We're building up their belief in themselves. And that's really important. As long as they're actually competent, they can actually do the things. Because if we're just building up that ego and then sending them out into the world without the skills, we're kind of setting them up for failure there, right? They're going to realize, oh, I can't do this. And they're going to kind of feel like unprepared and freaked out a little bit. So now we're also practicing those skills and highlighting their skills and also highlighting the fact they are capable of learning their new skills. So we are building that competence. So we're sending them out with both the belief they can do it and the ability to do it, or at least the ability to learn how to do it. The final shift I'll share with you is one that I learned from a conscious discipline workshop I attended years ago, and that's shifting from missing you to remembering. And this one really stuck out to me because missing can be an all-consuming concept for children. Missing mom, missing friends, missing school. We can absolutely acknowledge the experience of missing someone, but we don't necessarily want to emphasize it. And especially when we're speaking about next school year's experience. So this shift may sound like going from, man, I'm going to miss you so much next year to I'm going to remember how much you loved singing the Days of the Week song. Let's sing it one more time or let's sing it an extra time today so we can create a memory for all of us to share together. The shift could also sound like, oh, you're going to miss Kaylee so much next year. She was such a fun teacher. Two, gosh, Miss Kaylee's class has been so much fun. What are you going to remember about school year or this school year? My boys' school make a memory book for each class. Parent volunteers do it. It's incredible. And I buy it every year because my boys love to go back and revisit it. It has pictures of all their major school events. It has a page about themselves, each child in the class, their friends, and the daily class routines and operations. If your school doesn't offer this, or 
you don't want to dedicate shelf space to the book or the funds to buy a book, you can always make a mini poster or create a special folder, just like a portfolio or a folder on your phone with pictures and videos from the school year. Uh, Many schools now provide these photo sharing options that make it even more accessible and easy to do because you can just download the photos of your child onto your phone from that. If you want to use these photos to make your own book, perhaps like a kindergarten book, pre-K four, first grade, whatever book, I really love chapbooks for our family because I've used a lot of photo book (laughs) options. And this one by far is the easiest to use, user-friendly, great customer service support, affordable and quality, like all the things for busy moms. It's great. The code Kaylee, my name, C-A-L-E-Y, will give you a discount on your first purchase and I'll link it in the show notes for you so you don't have to remember that. (laughs) But again, this isn't about being the fanciest. If you don't want to make a book, don't make a book. If you don't have time for that or you know, this is not about what you should be doing. Remember, we don't want to should on ourselves. Your child may not need this. It doesn't have to be fancy or cumbersome. You could literally just take five minutes Snap a few pictures of your child in their classroom, their playground, school projects, and save them in a folder on your phone. As your child looks at these pictures, they can tell their own story and enjoy their memories. I found this process can also be very helpful in the beginning of the school year as they adjust to the new environment and new routine, new expectations, all the newness. They like to revisit familiar memories to remind themselves of their abilities. It's that idea of a regression that I mentioned back in the baby talk episode. Sometimes children will back up into safety so that then they can launch themselves into a new skill set or situation. So please remember that these are all support strategies that can help if you feel like your child may need a little extra transition support. You don't have to go to the max and do all the books. It could just be as simple as shifting your language, especially if you're a classroom teacher or if you're a parent of a child you know has a tendency to get really nervous around change. I just wanted to raise some awareness around a common pattern I noticed this time of year. So at the very least, we as parents, as caregivers, can recognize the situation if and when it arises in your family and take even the simplest steps to ease the upcoming transitions for all of us. For everyone, right? Because when their stress behavior happens, it definitely amplifies our stress load. If you would like more supports, I have some downloadables, free downloadables available to you, including a children's book list with social emotional support. It's a free download, so it's linked in the show notes. Also inside the core membership is a deep dive called Big Transitions that dives deeper into these strategies that I mentioned in this podcast also provides more ideas for other life changes, such as moving and new siblings. Our core circle does multiple Q&As every month to find out how to apply these strategies more concretely for your family's age and stage of life. For more information about that, you can go to kayleekukla.com backslash C-O-R for core or go down to the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here. If you found this information helpful, please consider sharing this episode with a friend on social media, maybe your child's teacher, (laughs) or leave a review. This can help increase the reach and impact of our parent-child support and encouragement mission here. 
We can totally change the world together, one family at a time. Thanks so much for being here and have a wonderful week. 